Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. It's never been easier to communicate with people, but it's never been harder to know which platform you're supposed to communicate on. Here's a simpler solution. With call, meet, and message all in one app, Ring Central makes communication easy. With all that connectivity in the palm of your hand, you can work from anywhere with anyone at any time and never miss a beat. Because when it comes to communication, simple is better. Learn more at ringcentral.com. Ring Central, simpler communications. Welcome to MLB Daily, your one-stop shop for daily baseball. Oh my gosh, content. There's a cardinal right outside my door window. You're not gonna believe it. I'm sorry. Like <laughs> I, I forgot where I am in this, but this this bird is gorgeous. Um, your one-stop shop for daily baseball content. I am LJ LaFura. Alongside me, I've got Brandon Karam and a Cardinal. Brandon, how you doing? LJ doing good. Hopefully, people did not click off the episode. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um that was the ultimate squirrel moment. Doing good. Watching the Yankees getting manhandled by the White Sox pitching staff and Johnny Cueto right now. We just recorded with Brian Scott of the Injured List podcast. And um, that will be uh, coming up in a little bit. But an absolutely fantastic interview for you guys on this fine Sunday. Um, LJ, one of the more insightful interviews I think we've ever done. Oh, it was awesome. You know, I was like, I, I knew he, I knew his stuff was really good. And all of that, honestly, I was more worried about me with this interview. Cause I'm like, injuries certainly isn't something that we are qualified to talk that much on. That's why we have to bring somebody else in. I was worried I was going to be asking the wrong stuff, but honestly, that's just, that was such a fun interview it really was just, again, informative, insightful. Really go ahead and check him out on Twitter at host Brian Scott or anywhere you get your podcast, anywhere you can get this. The Injured List podcast will also be there. And definitely check it out because his stuff is just terrific. 
Well, we do want to talk about a few things before we hop into the interview. Uh, I think we're going to start with a result that happened today. Yeah, actually, just a few minutes ago ended. The Marlins beat the Braves 4-3. to three. Uh, But most importantly, Sandy Alcantara uh, pitches a complete game. Gets the win for the Marlins. Those three runs that he allows are all unearned. So his final line is nine innings, six hits, no earned runs, and seven strikeouts, bringing the season ERA down to 2.11, and that's through almost 60 innings of work. Again, talk about a workhorse. He was already pegged as that before, and he's just going to prove it now. Now he's just trying to compete with his division rival, Zach Wheeler, for that title. But he was able to do that. Again, we're talking about efficiency here. Nine, um, I don't what do we call them? Nine strikeouts or walks. I'm not sure what the term would be for combining both together. But basically, the types of at-bats that require the most pitches to be thrown, that's a good, very healthy amount of them for nine innings. 115 pitches. That, that I would call efficient. Like, it's not an... It's not an under 100 game. Like, those are very rare to see complete games go under 100 pitches. But considering he had a very healthy dose of strikeouts, he had a couple of walks. He certainly had a couple of hits as well. Um, and two errors for the team in the game. Like, that's a lot of base runners to be able to get in in 115 pitches. In most scenarios, with that many base runners, you're not going full. You probably shouldn't have been going full to begin with. Yeah, uh, and... Clearly, he because I didn't watch much of this game. I saw a few of the at-bats early on. But he must have been pitching good enough where Don Mattingly is sitting there watching it and he's saying, you know, I don't need to pull him. Like, he is sure we might be down um, at one point during the game. Or actually, no. So they weren't down, but they scored two runs in the top of the ninth and they kept him in. Then still, um, obviously, he was pitching really well throughout the whole game. Like LJ said, super efficient. Alcantara is one of my guys. Uh, I love watching him pitch. And, um, yeah, with this start, you can certainly um, bet that he's going to shoot up the war leaderboards once again. Um, he'll be in the top five of, the, of NL pitchers for sure after this, if he already wasn't. And I know we're kind of make, making fun of the decision here. But talking about absolute guys, Don Mattingly doesn't get enough love in the game these days, doesn't get enough credit at this point, because this is now three straight years where I feel like the Marlins are far more competent than the roster should be. Like, this team has been consistently competitive year after year, and a lot of that comes down to his leadership and ultimately being able to make the right decision just like he did here. Even if it doesn't look the best, he knows his players. He's stuck by his player, and really, he got the job done. How else could you complain? You certainly cannot. Um, next story we wanted to talk about from today's games, um, Yadi Molina. He pitched. The Cardinals we're talking, are going... We're talking a lot of Cardinals today. Yeah, I mean, the Cardinals are certainly interesting because they just kind of seem like at the end of the game when it's a blowout they they don't care 
Um, they'll throw whoever out there, especially the old guys. Yadi Molina makes his pitching debut um, in a in what was an eighteen to nothing ball game. They bring him out there for the bottom of the to pitch the bottom of the ninth. He gets tagged a little bit. Two home runs, uh, four hits in total for four earned runs. But it's all in good fun. Uh, they bring in, or I guess a Yachty, he wasn't even playing in the game. They just brought him in to pitch. So LJ, they had to keep the arm warm um, on the bench. That's why, you know, he didn't come in until the ninth, right? 100%. This is the they next closer on this team. Yeah, no, they were fully planning on bringing him in in like a high leverage situation, I'm sure. You know, it's kind of comical. You're going to laugh at me. I wasn't watching this game. But I was following through different pieces, like especially the because uh, I we retweet most of the MLB home runs, the MLB home run at MLB HR on Twitter. Every time a home runs hit, they tweet. Every time they tweet, we almost always will retweet or as much as we can. And so I was following through those and I happened to be like very on top of it at this point. And I noticed those two pirates home runs come through and I'm like, gee, this is, this is some bombs. They're having a good day thinking that this was like a midday start that they were having. And it was just like the beginning of the game and the pirates might actually be in contention. I had no clue that it was 18 to 18 to nothing at the time. These four runs were put on the board. Um, just kind of it was a good chuckle for me yeah <laughs> you know so, uh, lj i think when we talked about this on like last week's show the peacock eleven thirty starts uh can lead to some fairly interesting baseball to say the least especially on a sunday like you've already played the last two days and now they're making you play at eleven thirty. like come on now i just don't understand it too because like who is a Peacock account is watching today? Like, it, no matter what, I don't think there's a situation where I can justify as a baseball fan, Cardinals Pirates probably not being the fourth, somewhere between, all right, so somewhere between fifth and seventh most important game on Peacock that day. I, I'm assuming you're bringing up like the Premier League games. Correct? Why are you putting a baseball game on your app in the middle of the last weekend of the Premier League. Like, there, were so many conse- <laughs> there were so many consequential matchups today that were on your app. I mean, yes, Liverpool, Tottenham, or not Liverpool, Tottenham, um, Liverpool Wolves wasn't on yours, but Tottenham was, Man City was, Arsenal was, Leeds was, Burnley was. Like, th- those are all more consequential. And as a sports fan, unless you really hate soccer, you're probably more likely to want to watch that than than this. And this doesn't change the fact that one game a week isn't enough to get people to subscribe to Peacock either. You don't have a Peacock account to watch baseball. You have a Peacock account to watch something else that you heard was on Peacock. Exactly. Or you have a Peacock account because your school gave you a Peacock account. <laughs> Literally. Like that's, that's Honestly. Um, the other thing I wanted to bring up, Guy on the Pirates last night, Brian Reynolds, uh, legitimate inside the park home run. And I wanted to bring this up because LJ, so based on your triples theory, which is that it's 
almost all luck. Like, sure, the faster players will get more of them, but at the end of the day, it's all luck. So with the inside the park home runs, they must be even more Mickey Mouse, if you want to use that term, than than the than the triples are. No, because I I I don't I don't think that way about it. Partially because triples is kept as like a legitimate stat. No one counts the amount of inside the park home runs a player player has in a year. The second thing is because no one has more than one. Like exactly, ever. but it's like. It's physically, I think, so much harder. Like, tell me I'm wrong. There is nowhere in any park in Major League Baseball that Daniel Vogelback could hit it and get it inside the park home run. (laughs) Unless, like, the outfielders ran into each other. Like, we're both hurt. You genuinely, there is no way. And so, an inside the park home run is way more about speed and also just like you got to hit it in the right spot but like being able to do it, i mean re- reasonably if it's repeatable there are guys i think who if we're in the right spot do well the yankees just had something great happen here brandon is going wild the crowd goes crazy come um, on lj aaron judge just tied the game up let's go one to one 15th homer of the season this man who's, in, who's in to pitch for chicago who, who's our buddy uh, tony putting out there now. lj tony switched pitchers at the start of this inning aaron judge oh, just yeah. hit that off of the main man kendall graveman um has not had a, i don't know a 305 era on the year is he the least 305 ish 305 in the league like every time i feel like i've heard kendall graveman's name be uttered it's been in some sort of bad connotation this year he takes a lot of crap on Twitter. Um, but, LJ, they brought in Joe Kelly, who pitched a clean inning against the bottom of the Yankees lineup. So, Gee, who would have thought low-leverage situations for the guy who's just coming back from injury might be the play? Would well, you have ever guessed? One, only, with your team only up by one run in the bottom of the seventh inning against the best team in the league right now, that's not an exactly low-leverage. No, it's not, but... The, the typical Tony play would be to bring him in for Judge Rizzo Stanton <laughs> and then pull him after that, no matter what he did. Um, anyway, where was I? Oh, yeah. Like, there are guys in the league, though, I do think that could hit more than one inside the park home run if they were in the right city. Like, a guy like... I don't know. Again, any of the any of the this is the fast guys. Like there are definitely places like the triangle at Fenway. If you get it out to four twenty, and you're a fast enough player, if you're a Starling Marte, a Miles Straw, a uh, Billy Hamilton, even even again, if Jaron Duran got more consistent time, he'd have a couple of seasons. Like if he played a full year out in left field or center field, he'd have a couple in the year playing at Fenway. So it's it feels a little more like it, it's a lot more skill based. The last ninety feet are the hardest. It, absolutely, um, yeah. I, I was I was kind of like making fun of you a little there with the yes. question, um, but no. 90, ninety feet separate the boys and the men. <laughs> absolutely. Well, I believe that that's all we have um, for this intro. Um, 
Enjoy the interview with Brian Scott from the Injured List podcast. Till then, we will see you tomorrow, which will be Monday for our power rankings. But follow us Instagram, Twitter, TikTok at MLB Daily Pod. Enjoy the interview. We'll see you. See you mañana. Welcome back, and we are here with Brian Scott of the Injured List podcast, another one of our belly up friends. Brian, how you doing? I'm good, guys. Thanks for having me on. Fantastic. So why don't we start things off? Could you tell us a little bit more about your show, you and what you do? Yeah, I'd love to. Um, I'm a uh, certified, licensed, and practicing physician assistant. I work in orthopedic surgery. been doing that for about 16 years. Prior to that, I was a certified athletic trainer. Uh, spent a year in minor league baseball way back in 2001. Um, so learned a lot while I was there. Had a great experience working under a very experienced athletic trainer who had prior to that been with the Milwaukee Brewers for many years. So baseball is probably my number one sport as far as uh, what I would love to do. Uh, but now I focus more on the surgical stuff. I work in a sports medicine practice. I, I take care of athletes and general population patients all the time. And my, my show basically touches on uh, sports injuries how uh, I have a different unique perspective on seeing them as a fan's eyes, but also as a provider's eyes. Um, so I have a little bit different take sometimes on some of these injury updates you hear or read about uh, in the press or on the media. So I try to provide my audience with general information that they can take, put into their fantasy environment, use that information to help make better decisions when it comes to sorting their lineup for the upcoming week or just the, you know, for general knowledge, if you're looking to buy a ticket, maybe go check out a game. You're not sure if your player is going to play. And that's what I do. Great. Let's jump in with some uh, major league baseball injuries here. Max Scherzer is probably the most recent high profile one we've had. He of course is, they're telling us it'll be six to eight weeks with a moderate to high grade oblique strain. What are you, you really seeing here? Um, I actually agree with that assessment. You know, the oblique uh, muscles, which are make up part of your core, your abdominal muscles, are exceptionally important when it comes to the baseball pitching motion. It, 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 they, they are very important with that rotational um, forces that help transmit the energy from your lower legs up through your torso, out through your shoulder and elbow and hand in order to generate a lot of velocity. And if you have an injury to the obliques, um, it's going to throw off all of those mechanics and potentially cause injuries somewhere else along the line, more specifically your shoulder and your elbow. So most guys, if they have an oblique strain, even a moderate to severe strain, you're looking at at least six to eight weeks where recovery um, time is optimal. So most guys will not jeopardize coming back sooner for fear that they may risk either a shoulder or elbow injury. Um not to mention that your obliques are involved in almost everything you do because it's part of your core, part of your torso. So not only just from a pitching standpoint, but trying to rehab, trying to exercise, just even daily activities of life, picking things up, twisting, you know, turning. These muscles are all activated during those movements. And so it can be very debilitating, very painful. It takes a long time to get better. But on average, most athletes treating this without surgery, which is very rare that surgery ever needs to be done for this, you're probably looking at about seven to eight we uh, seven weeks. So that six to eight week time frame seems very realistic. Now, is this something that Max Scherzer being an older player, would he be more susceptible to this? Or is this something that he has to be watching out for more because of age? Or is this something that's generally, this will be the same throughout your career? 
Um, I, I think that I, I haven't seen any literature that suggests this is a problem of age. I think this more might be related to mechanics. He's a if you ever watch him pitch, he's a very very violent pitcher. He puts a lot of his momentum and energy into it. He generates a lot, tremendous amount of rotational forces in his delivery. And I think that's what ended up kind of biting him here. I don't really think it's so much his age, especially when you get into the professional elite level pitcher. Most of those guys train regularly, train very well, and are able to avoid major injuries. But when you have a, a guy like him with a, with a delivery like him, you're just putting tremendous amount of stress and force through your torso, through your oblique abdominals. Um, you're, you're basically putting yourself at a little bit higher risk to have an injury like this. And unfortunately, I guess you could factor in his age to some degree. It probably just caught up to him. I mean, I don't, as far as I know, I don't think he's ever had this injury previously in his career. So you could, you could probably throw the old age thing in there too and mix it in as a factor. But uh, in general, I think it just has more to do with his biomechanics and his delivery. Interesting. Now, let's talk about his teammate here, Jacob deGrom. Of course, one of the, you know, the best, most electric players in baseball. But he goes to the IL just days before the start of the season with a stress reaction in his right shoulder. What are we really looking at here? Well, more specifically, the reports have said that he had a stress reaction or some type of stress injury to the scapula, which is, which is your shoulder blade. And I'm not exactly sure where because they haven't been very specific, but the problem with this, again, becomes more biomechanical. Your, your scapula, your shoulder blade is basically the anchor of your rotator cuff muscles, which are really important with shoulder pitching. And in order for them to operate and function pristine and perfectly in a guy like DeGrom, that's, that scapula has to be 100%. You can't have pain there. You can't have any faulty mechanics there. Because if so, you're really jeopardizing the rotator cuff injury. And then DeGrom has also had a history of ulnar collateral ligament reconstruction or Tommy John surgery. And so like we talked about a little bit ago, any type of injury to anywhere along that chain predisposes another part of that chain to getting injured. So they're not going to rush him out there at the beginning of the year, beginning of the season when they're playing well for this injury until they know for a fact that that shoulder blade is completely healed. And so I don't see him making a return anytime soon. I think they're probably going to, I know they moved him from the 10 to the 60 day DL recently, but I think that was more of a roster decision, not so much his overall health, but it would not surprise me if you probably see him still out for at least another month. Um, and they're going to get repeat scans of his shoulder to make sure that this thing is healing properly and in a timely fashion before they even let him get back out there and start throwing. So that's why the long timetable is because while this thing is healing, you don't really want him doing anything stressful on that arm. So he probably has just been completely shut down with regards to throwing. I'm sure he's doing rehab. I'm sure he's doing exercises, but you can't jeopardize this guy. You know, probably one of the best ever two time Cy Young award winner, potentially, you know, going for a third this year, if he was healthy, um, you don't want to jeopardize it with the rest of the team playing. Well, they're not going to force him out there anytime soon. Fantastic. We've got really only one more Mets related piece, Brandon. <laughs> Go ahead. Oh, LJ, no, if if we're going to stick with the Mets, go go right ahead. Yeah, let's jump back with the Mets because they played a really interesting role in this whole Chris Paddock situation. Of course, a former top prospect for the Padres gets traded to the Twins this year and now is going to have to undergo Tommy John surgery within months of 
arriving in Minnesota. Now, could you talk to us a little bit more about Tommy John and then also the fact that the Mets were very much in play for this guy until he failed a physical with the Mets and then they balked at the trade idea. What really could they have seen that Minnesota didn't care about? Well, I'm not so much as that Minnesota didn't care. I think Minnesota might have just been willing to take more of a risk, um, whereas the Mets probably weren't, and that's understandable. They must have seen something on his physical exam and his MRI um, that they probably did during his medical screening because he does have a history of prior Tommy John surgery back in 2016 while he was in the Padres organization. So they must have seen something to alert some red flags. And my, my guess is that they probably didn't even worry so much about the physical exam. They probably went ahead and got an MRI anyway, and were probably critiquing and examining that elbow really closely using the, um, that tool because they may have seen something on that scan that probably was like, you know, Hey, something looks off here, whether it be there's some inflammation in his elbow or something maybe identifying a possible partial tear of the ligament that was previously reconstructed um, I know he had been shut down, I think, either last year or the year before with some elbow soreness as well. You know, you put all those things together, and they probably felt that he was on the brink of possibly having another injury to that elbow. And as it turns out, it looks like he probably did. Now that he, I think he actually even had revision Tommy John surgery just last week, um, if I'm not mistaken, just a few days ago, five days ago or so. So they obviously saw something that scared him away. Probably the best move to make at that time was, you know, not to take a chance. And whereas Minnesota was like, listen, we're willing to be without him for another nine months and let him rehab with us despite this elbow. If he can pitch through it and he's fine, we're not going to do anything. We'll see what he can do for us. And then if we need to revisit that surgery, we will. You know, some teams are, are willing to do that to get a guy like him who's potentially a breakout star. The problem is when you have primary ulnar collateral ligament reconstruction or primary surgery to the Tommy, Tommy John surgery, the results are excellent. It's something like a 90% um, greater, greater than 90% success rate where you can return to pre-injury levels. When you start getting into revision surgery, those numbers come way down. And so that's the fear too now. And I think the Mets were looking more forward uh, than in the present and didn't want to take that chance. Fantastic. Now, if you were looking into a physical type thing, are there some tells that a guy is like bound for Tommy John, like what type of things are they specifically looking for most of the time? So, yeah, there are two big telltale signs when it comes to evaluating players who potentially have an elbow injury that may require Tommy John. The two biggest indicators are elbow soreness and loss of velocity. The third, the third thing that's pretty close behind those two is loss of um, accuracy when it comes to their pitching. Um, velocity and elbow soreness are the two big ones. And that's usually it. And then clinical exam usually will then dictate, hey, something's wrong here. Let's get an MRI. And then it's usually found most, more, most of the times on MRI. So um, I, I wanted to talk a little bit about Ronald Acuna Jr. Uh, on the Braves. He tears his ACL last July uh, and then is able to go through just a little – over nine and a half months of rehab and returns right at the end of April this year. Um, and we know that the ACL uh, tear is certainly an injury that we see quite common in football. We see it in basketball a little bit, but not as common in baseball. Um, what is that process like? And is a nine and a half month rehab like fairly quick in your mind? 
Uh, no, actually, nine and nine months is about average uh, for most uh, athletes, uh, most general population athletes as well, like recreational athletes. Um, techniques have changed uh, slightly over the years. Uh, graft preparation and suture materials and some of the surgical instrumentation has improved to make uh, better reconstructive uh, surgeries available. So most guys now with a, with a fairly conservative uh, rehab program can get back as early as nine months. Some guys can get back earlier uh, with a more aggressive rehab program, but that's not as common. Most guys are still kind of at that nine month mark. Now, the reason Acuna Jr. was able to come back is he plays baseball. So, you know, obviously it's not a, as a common an injury in baseball because you don't usually have contact, which is one of the more common ways that this injury occurs. However, um, he went up for a catch, landed awkwardly on the knee and ruptured his ACL ligament. So that can technically happen in any sport. It just doesn't commonly as happen, you know, happen in baseball. So I'm not surprised by his return. A lot of times there are associated injuries with the ACL. It's not sometimes purely just an ACL injury. You'll sometimes get meniscus injuries or another ligament get injured as well, which can sometimes push back the timetable to return because you're having to deal with multiple things that are injured, not just an isolated ACL. And so sometimes that can prolong the rehab. So what this tells me is that he probably didn't have, have any other major structural damage in the knee. They were probably able to repair that ACL and did a good job and his rehab went well and uh, he's good to go. I mean, if he was a football player, he'd probably take a little bit longer just because you got to get back into contact and that can take some time. But uh, as a baseball guy, not surprised. Now, it seems at least partially to me, but I know I've seen a couple numbers out there that ACL tears across sports are kind of on the rise. Is that something we should be looking out for more in baseball, even though it will be lesser than other spots? And really, why is that? Um, you know, every it's funny because every few years in the orthopedic literature or in, in the media, you'll hear about this injury is on the rise, this injury is on the rise. And I'm not, I don't really buy into it so much. Um, I think it's all just coincidental. I don't think it's actually statistically significant. Some, some studies are probably looking at this right now and will be published in a few years and they may turn around and say that it is. Some of it, I think you can trace back to COVID, some of the alterations in the scheduling, timing, of conditioning programs, when guys were able to get back with their teams, work with their strength and conditioning coordinators and their medical staff, um, I think played a huge role. I think we're still seeing some of the after effects of that. And as a result, I think some of the injuries that we see uh, are directly related to that as well. I don't think there's any other factors that really kind of play into it. Um, you know, football, they, they've been recently harping on the turf and the conditions of the fields and whatnot. And yeah, that's that's always been an issue that's been going on since the original AstroTurf was first introduced in the 70s. And then what they found after years of research was that there was no statistically different uh, injury rates when it came to AstroTurf versus regular fields. Then they came out with the new synthetic turfs we see. They did studies on that as well, found no statistically significant difference. Um, now, sometimes, you know, players are using different cleat bottoms that have been designed to help on these synthetic surfaces. And so sometimes that can play a role. So there, this stuff is looked at in the literature when it comes to the orthopedic world and the sports medicine world. And oftentimes it'll get presented at some of these major conferences we have, but you know, I don't put much into that. I don't really worry too much about that. It, it really just comes down to the individual player, how prepared they are, what position they play um, and what sport they're in. Those things are usually the more uh, statistically significant indicators of what whether ACLs are on the rise or not, not, not so much across the board. So let's look at the reigning NL MVP, Bryce Harper. He, I believe had just had a UCL injury and is going to be out from the field, at least DHing 
for the foreseeable future. What exactly are we looking at with this? Well, so if this was, you know, 2021 where there is no DH, they might have shut him down and he might be having surgery already. But fast forward to 2022, the NL now has a DH and you have the luxury of probably keeping Bryce Harper in there for as long as the season as you can while you're still in contention uh, before possibly having to have surgery. You know, he's a positional player, so it's a lot different than being a baseball pitcher. Uh, the demands on his elbow are not quite the same as it would be for DeGrom or, you know, for Paddock, let's say. So you're not having to do high-velocity throws, you know, 100 times a game in repetitive, successive fashion. You know, he might only get the ball hit to him a few, t a handful times during the game that may require him to go all out and throw a high-velocity throw somewhere. So uh, the, the, the urgency with which he would need reconstructive surgery is much less. And so for that reason, you could probably wait and you know time it to when it's right for him and for the organization if they're competing for a playoff spot potentially a world series title you might not see him leave the field at all he might just stay in that dh role for as long as he can and in the meantime he'll do rehab and try to strengthen up the elbow take away some of his symptoms and there's really no good bracing or anything that you can do to kind of help prevent or you know decrease the injuries on the on the elbow unfortunately but uh you know he'll probably have some type of modified throwing program and rehab program to maybe eventually see if he can get back on the field. But I don't think we'll see him on the field anytime soon. So long as we got the NL NLDH now. Now I know with the shoulder, at least with um, Fernando Tatis Jr. And Chris Bryant, we'd seen some issues with their swing, having to change things with the swing and discomfort while at bat. Is that something we have to consider with Bryce Harper now as a DH? Um, I don't think so because he's a left-handed bat, but he's a right-handed throw. So I think that being his lead arm, you're probably not going to see as much stress on that elbow like you would if you were throwing a ball that it doesn't really replicate or simulate that type of stress. Um, so I think he'll probably get away with it without any real major effects hitting. Now, what about for the general person? Like if it was uh, same throw, same. Yeah. So it certainly could. Uh, the, the stress on the elbow, which occurs right down here, that's where your own collateral ligament is, usually happens with what we call a valgus stress. So in the baseball pitch, it's as the arm is accelerating forward, the elbow's leading while the ball and the hand are kind of cocked back like this. And so that puts a tremendous amount of force here. Now, I guess you could extrapolate that to the baseball swing. For some guys, that may cause some pain. And a lot of guys who have these injuries will also have some ulnar nerve uh, symptoms as well, which is very common type of symptoms to have here in the elbow when you have a uh, collateral ligament injury. So that sometimes can be more debilitating than having just soreness from the ligament itself. And so if that becomes a problem for Bryce, that could certainly affect his swing. But again, I think it's more so guys who are, have that back arm or that, you know, that trail arm who are swinging with an old collateral ligament injury, not so much with the lead arm. Um, you know, and he could probably try batting with a brace on. That's a lot easier than throwing with a brace on. So that might provide him a little bit of stability or any of us, if we were batting like that with a little bit of stability, you can get away with a brace while you're batting. It's a little harder to do that while you're throwing in the field. Um, but, you know, the ulnar nerve symptoms are very real and the very common symptom to have with the ulnar collateral ligament injuries. When we did surgery years ago, we used to move the nerve and relocate it. And then what we found out was that actually caused problems after the surgery 
it didn't necessarily help things. So they stopped doing that. A lot of guys don't do that anymore, and it, it seems to have worked a little bit better. Now, were there any other – because we got through everything that I think we wanted to talk about player-wise. Are there any other injuries that have caught your eye late? I haven't noticed any, but, you know, I've been uh, – with basketball and baseball uh, – I'm sorry, basketball and hockey playoffs going on right now, I've been, like, sucked over into the, that world. So I've been t- taking away a little bit from my baseball stuff. Um, but as we get further into the season and we start nearing the baseball postseason i'll be paying more attention but these these injuries that we discussed today were certainly ones that are very uh, much in the headlines and very much talked about especially uh because the, the pitcher position is so important and it's it's you know if you if you're down two cy young award winners like the mets are uh that's potentially you know could derail your entire season so uh good to see that the mets are still holding on they're playing well their offense has picked it up this year uh, if their bullpen can kind of step up, maybe they'll be able to stay where they are and not uh, dip too low in the standings. But it's going to be challenging because these guys are both going to be out for a little while. And did you have anything else? No, right. I, I don't think so. Um, I, I've had a just so insightful here. I've learned so so much about the, these injuries, and it really goes to show how much it helps to actually talk to a real doctor. Um, you know, other than when you see in the general headlines, you know, they have to make it so it looks easy to, to read and easy to say. Yeah. But when you can actually talk to someone who knows what they're talking about with this, you just learn so much. So, I, I mean, this has been fantastic. Yeah, and I can tell you, you know, in that whole paddock situation, when that whole trade was being talked about uh, in the summer there, you know, there's like a four player for one player plus cash deal. I mean, you talk about millions and millions of dollars in salaries and and players, you know, you don't want to get uh, no no offense to Paddock, but you don't want to get damaged goods. You know, you want to make sure that what you're getting is going to be the top of the line stuff. So, uh, you know, kudos to the Mets, I guess, for doing their due diligence. And um, you know, hey, it may work out for the Twins. It may work out for Paddock next year. He's he's not pitching this year, unfortunately. Yeah. So, Brian, why don't you go through? Tell us where we can find you to you know get more content like this. Yeah. So, um, you know, I, I try to produce a show at least every week. Right now, it's like every other week um, during football season is kind of my busiest time of year. So I'm usually doing weekly NFL injury updates prior to the Thursday night games. And I usually release my episodes Thursday at noon so that you guys can make your roster adjustments for football um, before that Thursday night game. So I'll get back to that schedule when football starts. In the meantime, um, I'm doing a lot of guest appearances like here on your show. Uh, I'll be doing some other stuff with some of the other Belly Up gang members here. Um, helping them uh, do some injury updates on some of the other sports. Uh, my last episode was just a quick update on some NBA injuries and NHL injuries uh, during the playoff series that, uh, you know, affected the outcomes of those series, unfortunately, for those teams. But um, I'm on all, all the major uh, social media platforms. I'm Wherever you listen to your podcasts is where you can find mine. And um, I'm most active on Twitter and Instagram, but I'm also on Facebook as well. I also have a, a website, theinjuredlist.com, where – you can check out um, links to all my episodes and links to some of the sponsors of my shows. I'm a brand ambassador for SeatGeek, so you can get discounted tickets through SeatGeek uh, on my site. Uh, also on uh, Fanatics as well. And then, of course, Belly Up's working with a bunch of different companies like Manscaped and Candidips and, and a bunch of other ones as well. So check out their website because you can get some good links there for merch and whatnot. So, uh, yeah, but I'll be around. I'm kinda, I kind of pop up everywhere every, uh, every once in a while. You, you never know where you see me. Sometimes I'm just kind of there. <laughs> Fantastic. Well, Brian, it was great to talk to you. Um, 
good luck and safety in all your endeavors. And thank you so much. Yeah, thanks for having me, guys. Take care. You too. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Some people were made to follow the instructions. We were made to make our own. To always measure twice and never cut corners. Unless, of course, we've got a compound miter saw. Northern Tool and Equipment is a problem solver's paradise. There's nothing we can't find, fix, or figure out together. We're made for this. Start solving your projects today at northerntool.com.